0: Locked on Red Sox, your daily Boston Red Sox podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your
1: team every day. Welcome to another episode of Locked On Red Sox, your everything Red Sox podcast. I'm your host, Jason MasterDonato from the Boston Herald. Alongside me, as always, is my great co-host Lauren Campbell from Nesson. We have a wonderful show today. Uh, We have Steve Hewitt, my colleague from the Boston Herald, who was in Portland on Tuesday and watched Chris Sell live throw a a remarkable rehab start, is going to check in with us and tell us what he saw and give us the details from there. We're going to talk about um, a win over the Blue Jays where Garrett Richards is kind of showing us something and Kike Hernandez has really come on as a leadoff hitter. And We've got Alex Cora's comments about the trade deadline. But first, MLB Draft has already taken place, and the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast is covering all the future stars. Host Aram Layton brings you the player interviews and farm system breakdowns every day. Subscribe to the Locked On MLB Prospects podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. All right. So, Lauren, we have an interesting game that we uh, we just watched because Garrett Richards looks kind of good. And... Um, I didn't expect to be saying that at this point in the season. Uh, what were your takeaways?
2: Yeah, I thought he was good too. He definitely impressed me. And I know he's been working on you know finding new ways to get get around MLB's protocols on the foreign substances, and he's doing really well. He's making it work, and it helps that he got the run support from the lineup. So obviously that's helpful. He's still gotten into a bit of trouble giving up those, those runs there. But at the end of the day... I'm gonna take the five and two thirds innings, four hits, four earned runs. I'm gonna take that.
1: Yeah, I, I'm. I'm a little bit surprised that he's found a way to get it done because I think the reason why he was so good at, at one point in the season—I don't even want to say early, because he actually wasn't very good early. He he hit his stride maybe in the end of April, and the reason he was so good—he and he was so clear about it—was his curveball was phenomenal, and it wasn't really a weapon in the past for him and. Alex Cora seems to bring out the best curveballs in guys. I think he just want, he likes the curveball. Players' curveball rates seem to go up when they come to the Red Sox. And Garrett Richards was throwing a curveball more than he ever had in his career. And the numbers on it were it was one of the best curveballs in baseball. Uh, and so that's why we had the mental breakdown, basically, when um, he realized he wasn't going to be able to use any sticky stuff anymore to throw his curveball. And then he just stopped throwing it. And he only threw seven curveballs. On uh, Wednesday night And it was really not even a factor at all And so now all of a sudden he's this guy who Is throwing a slider, a fastball, and a changeup Which he has really never thrown before in his career Basically taught it to himself Uh, And now he's got these different looks Where he actually can move the ball around To right-handers, to left-handers The changeup can go in on righties The slider can go away from them And vice versa against lefties And, And he actually looks Capable of staying In the starting rotation
2: he does, and I think, too, it's becoming real for, you know, the Garrett Richards, the Martin Perez's. Maybe you can even throw Nick Pavetta's in there that Chris Sale is coming very, very close to a return. There is somebody who's going to be an odd man out, and Garrett Richards pitched tonight, like, he does not want to be that odd man out.
1: Yeah, and you know, I made the point in, in my column is I, I think if the Red Sox were not as good on offense, if they... Had more options, it, you know. If if they were a National League team, Garrett Richards would not be in the starting rotation. He's just, you know, he hasn't been that good. Even even his last four starts, he has gone five innings, um, but he's still allowed 14 runs over the last 21 innings. So the Red Sox are winning because they're a good team. They've scored six, six, eleven, and seven in those games. So, on a good and a team that. Can't really afford to give up runs. Garrett Richards is probably in the bullpen, or he's demoted, or he's traded, or he's he's gone. But on this team, they're going with a six-man starting rotation right now, so they're going to insert Tanner Houck on Thursday night against the Yankees, and they're going to go with six, and they're going to readjust when Chris Sale comes back. But they said this was the plan all along. They wanted to go to six on the second in the second half of the year. They think it's going to give guys more rest. It's a bold move because their starting rotation has been pretty good, and now all of a sudden everyone's going to have to go on five days rest. But what do you think of the six-man rotation?
2: I think to give the starters an extra day of rest, why not? I think if it's going to work, then it, it's worth trying, especially with Tanner Houck in there, to see what he can do and kind of see where his role really will be. Does he belong in the starting rotation? Does he belong in the bullpen? I know that I don't like when any team flip-flops the the pitcher to the the, the mound to the bullpen, the starting rotation. It just never really seems to end well, but... If they can do this early enough with Tanner Houck and figure out where he belongs, it, this might be worth it. This might be worth trying the six-man rotation for a while, give the the others the extra day of rest to get their mind right and get them ready for the next series, and at the same time, getting a nice, solid look at Tanner Houck because that's why he's up here, right? Like the, They want to see what he can do, and now it's his time to prove it.
1: Yeah, I'm obviously thrilled. If Tanner Houck's going to stay in the rotation, I think this is great. And even if he fails, hey, at least you learned it. And then you put him in the bullpen. But you got to give him a chance to start. So, all right, Kiki Hernandez. Let me give you some stats real quick on Kiki Hernandez because I couldn't believe it when I was looking it up for, to write my column tonight. He has nine homers in his last 25 games, has never hit nine home runs in a 25-game span before ever in his career. So we have a situation where this player comes to the Red Sox really the only team that wanted to give him any money, it looks like, uh, has never been an everyday player, has never hit right-handed pitchers very well. And they say, hey, can you be our leadoff man and play every day and hit righties? And for the first two and a half months, he was awful. Awful. And June 5th, Alex Cora says, you're done. The leadoff experiment's over. He moves him down to the bottom of the order. Five games go by, he's hitting pretty well. All right, he goes back to the top of the order. Six games go by, mm, he stinks again. Back to the bottom of the order. June 19th in Kansas City, he moves him back to the bottom of the order. Since then, Kiki Hernandez is a top 10 hitter in baseball. I couldn't believe this when I was looking it up. So it's been almost a month now that Kiki Hernandez has been one of the best hitters in baseball. He's a 402 on base percentage. That rakes 18th among all, all hitters who have qualified. He has a thousand seventy-two OPS, that ranks twelfth. And he has nine homers, which ranks fourth in the majors. This is a guy who doesn't really hit a ton of homers. So Alex Cora has the magic, I guess.
2: It really seems that way, and I mean what else can you say about Kike Hernandez? What he's done lately is just incredible. And there was a while there where people were wondering why he's in the leadoff spot. Why is he Still, why is he still in the lineup? Like there was a time when it really seemed like he may be an offensive liability, and people were not fond of him. And now all of a sudden, he can't stop hitting home runs. He can't stop being productive. And this is exactly this is the best time to get hot—the second half of the season—and to come to kind of come off of not a, not a bad first half, but to carry that momentum when you were struggling for a while, and to carry that momentum from the end of the first half into the beginning of the second. Something really good. Whatever he's doing is working. Whatever Cora is saying to him is working. It's everything is working right now for Kike Hernandez.
1: Yeah, so Cora said he told him to just stop doing so much, not trying to do so much and just hit line drives. And Kike says he's just controlling the strike zone better, which is really what Cora is always telling his guys, don't do too much, control the strike zone, and it's finally working. The question is uh if he keeps it up, if he ends up, you know, being more of a middle of the order guy, we'll see how that goes, but man, he's been really good. Uh, I want to talk real quickly about Alex Kor's comments about the trade deadline today, because he was asked about his feelings on it. And he said he's got some feelings and they change on a daily basis. Um, but the comment that really stood out to me is he said, sometimes it's not the huge move that helps you win the world series. It's getting Steve Pierce and all of a sudden he, he becomes a hero. Good teams, they benefit from small ba- or from good baseball moves, and I do believe we're going to make some good baseball moves. And if Hyam feels like it, we're going to improve. I don't think you need a savior, he says. I don't think you need a savior, but there are a few things we need to get better. So, Core kind of hinting at, hey, get me some help around the edges. We don't need a big, we don't need a big impact player. Um, what do you think?
2: Yeah, that that quote stuck out to me too, particularly the "we don't need a savior" part. Because I feel like I feel like a lot of fans of now are asking for that savior, where it's like Chris Dale is going to come back. Anthony Rizzo is the name, th- the hot name thrown around out there, where it's like go get him; be- he can be the first baseman. But Core makes really good points. Like you- they went out and got Steve Pierce, and he was incredible during the World Series run in 2018. And this- it is the little pieces. I I don't think they need a whole lot. I think that it's just you know a simple bullpen piece and maybe another starter, a four or five starter. And of course, first base. I think first base is a priority at this point. But, you know, it's just, it's funny to hear Cora say that because everyone knows that this team is not perfect. This team is flawed. They've won a lot of lucky games, but they've also won a lot of good gritty games. But they still need something to make the, this team feel like a complete World Series contending team. And that's not a savior Quote unquote. It's not, you know, some, it's not Craig Kimbrell or some big name out there. It's probably just some, you know, some Steve Pierce who's just kind of puts putzing around the league and all of a sudden he's, he becomes your savior.
1: I think they do. I don't think they need a savior, but I, I actually think they do need an impact player. I mean, especially you look at how bad Alex Verdugo's been, the hamstring issue, the fact that Hunter Renfro's come back to life a little bit, especially against right handers. I know he homer tonight. Um, but it, I, he, it still looks to me like that should be a platoon with Verdugo and Renfro. That against a really good right-hander in the playoffs, I don't think you really want to start Renfro. I still like to see them get a get an impact bat. And and, and you know maybe I'm in the minority there, but I'm starting to believe they actually need an impact bat more than they need a pitcher. Because if they lose one bat, all of a sudden the pitching's not good enough. You know, if they lose one guy in the middle of the order to an injury, we know their pitching's been mediocre this year, and their offense has driven them. Well, if the offense isn't driving them, they're just a mediocre team. Um, but we're going to talk a lot about the trade deadline in the coming days. We got a lot, uh, a lot of trade deadline talk coming up, and we got more talk in the second half of the show. We got our great interview with Steve Hewitt to talk about Chris Sale coming up soon. Uh, first, let me tell you about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questions and wait while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer, choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket, so why spend 30 or 50 or even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store or a car dealership? I hate going to the car dealership. I have to go next week to get my oil changed. It just, I cringe every time I go to the car dealership. But Rock Auto is a family business. It serve, serves do it yourselfers for over the 20 years. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. So go to rockauto.com right now. See all the parts available for your car. Write locked on in their How Did You Hear About Us section so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. So here's the interview we did with Steve Hewitt, who is at Hadlock Field to watch Chris Sale pitch on Tuesday and gives us a breakdown. One of my favorite things in baseball is the minor league rehab assignment. Truly, it is probably my favorite thing to cover. It's one of my favorite things to go to. I grew up in Rochester, New York. I love minor league baseball. And when you get a superstar Hall of Famer, I I would say, with two or three more great seasons, Chris Sale will probably be in a hall of famer, uh, going to Portland, Maine, to play in a double A game. Um, what an event! What a cool thing for locals. And uh, my buddy, my colleague Steve Hewitt from the Boston Herald, was there. He he made the trip up to Portland. Um, what was that? Two hours. Yeah, about two hours. Two yeah, hours two. from Boston. Yeah. Did you eat any good food while you were there? Uh, no, I did stop at a uh,
0: rest stop. I think I was in New Hampshire and uh, got some Burger King. Okay. <laughs> Didn't really i sh- the, didn't really get the portland experience but.
1: i i should have told you to go to the holy donut it's like one of the best places they the
0: holy donut is my favorite
1: spot uh, in portland oh okay
0: I've, I've gone there a few times and i was actually bummed because they close at four o'clock
1: uh you missed it get, well,
0: yeah i didn't get there till five so I, I missed the i missed the boat there but yeah the next, not for sure
1: it's yeah it's one of my favorite spots man the, the gluten-free donuts made out of potatoes amazing Absolutely. So good. So you were in Portland yesterday. Set the scene for us. What was what was it like? Yeah. It was like it was my first time at Hadlock Field in Portland. Um
0: only been to Portland a few times now in my life. Um but really excited to to go up there and uh they had a sellout crowd and how many people um, how many people's a sellout there? It's just shy of eight thousand. Okay. I think it's like seventy eight, sixty three, I think, was the total last night. Um but it was really fun. Like, yeah, you could, you could really just tell, like, the, the excitement was building. Just five minutes – like, five minutes before first pitch, I was going back up to the press box, and I, I looked back out to, to Park, Park Avenue, which is the main road to get into the, to the stadium, and there's still, like, a huge line. Like, <laughs> you almost feel like they, they weren't ready for, for, like, the circus that was going to be for Sale, but there was, like, hundreds of people still waiting in line to get inside. Uh, and uh, they probably missed like the first inning there, <laughs> which is probably unfortunate for them. Um, but but yeah, it was it was fun. Uh, I've only been able to cover a few rehab assignments in, in my career. I remember seeing Pedroia at McCoy and three or four years ago, uh, I went out to see like a Carl Crawford rehab assignment like 10 years ago when I was like an intern. Uh, and it definitely wasn't even close to to what it was last night. Uh, like you said, a potentially future hall of famer coming in. Uh, it's kind of a, it's almost like a once in a lifetime kind of thing. It is.
1: It is. I love it. I love it for the local fans. It was always fun when I was in Rochester, when someone would come down and you try to get autographs and it's just, it's such a scene and it's really cool. It's great for the, for the minor league team. Uh, it's great for the fans. Um, So what did it look like on the field? I I mean, I certainly saw the highlights. I saw the numbers. It looked amazing. But what were your takeaways from watching Chris Sale actually pitch against double-A hitters, which I think is probably better competition than triple-A because most of the prospects are still in double-A? You think so? I do.
0: Yeah. Um, I was going to preface it. Like, he did look good, but um, just prefacing this by saying, like, it is against double-A competition. It's against hitters. He should be dominating. Um, but like, he looked, he looked really good. Like, it's almost like, uh, you, you feel like you saw some some flashes of, of sale of, of old, like what we're used to seeing, you know, uh, even the fa- I think the fastball is probably faster than, than, than the last time we saw him. Like it was touching 98 in the first inning, wow. 97 a few times, which he, he's been doing in, in some of his kind of sim games and, and that rehab start last week. But I think, correct me if I'm wrong. Like that's probably a little faster than he was going in 2019. I think. Oh yeah, um, So I mean, he's got a new elbow. Yeah, <laughs> right.
1: and we saw, and it's not just the elbow. You know, we saw this with John. John Lackey is. These guys can't really put any. Uh, Pressure on the elbow for so long while they're rehabbing that they end up only doing shoulder exercises. So their shoulder gets really strong, and you, you see a lot of guys come back from Tommy John. They say my shoulders never been stronger because they've been doing only shoulder exercises, and then they come back and they have more velocity. We saw it with John Lackey. We've seen it with a lot of pitchers, and that's a great sign that Sales throwing 98 uh, and and really only went what not even four innings.
0: Yeah, you went three and two thirds. Um, I think the the sort of plan was to go 50 to 55 and he, and he, the last strikeout, uh, he ended up 49. Uh, so they opted to just kind of take him out there and not, not risk maybe going over the, the threshold that they, that they were planning, but, um, no hits just, I mean, it was perfect except for a one walk in the first inning and he, he easily got out of, got of that. There was like a pickoff to end the first inning. Um, he picked a guy off. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, which was, which was, uh, I think that even surprised him. Um, but, uh, the slider, like we're all used to his slider, just dominating people. And it, it looked, it was incredible. Like he was making hitters do like pirouettes in the batter's box, trying to swing at swing at his sliders. And like, they just had no chance. He, he was dotting his pitches everywhere, kind of making some guys kind of freeze. And, uh, obviously, yeah, double A might be better than what we think
1: <laughs> yeah oh yeah I, I you know you see a lot of teams now they keep the prospects there the red sox did it for a while with ben intended column straight up devers got called straight up mookie barely played in triple a it's just like the new trend so i don't think the competition's that bad um wh- what were what were the comments from sale that stood out to you like what did he have to say uh about the whole rehab process and about how he pitched
0: uh the one, the one thing that kind of stood out to me, we've heard some, some tidbits of this over the past, what, six months or so is uh, kind of his no, new refocus approach on nutrition. Um, he, he admitted, he's like, I've cut out, he, he was like, I cut out the junk, junk and processed foods. Like, he, I mean, he's had a lot of time to kind of just kind of sit and, and think about like the, the second half of his career almost. I know he's talked about he wants to pitch another ten years and uh, he wants to have a healthy and kind of sustained career going forward. Um, and he's talking about uh, how he's cut out the the fat foods. And <laughs> what really stuck out to me, he used to apparently bring bags of McDonald's and Taco Bell on, on the days he would start. He's <laughs> like, "Yeah, you can ask. You ask my teammates. Like, this is this is what I did game days every." every single time and i'm like wow and and he's still performing at an elite level doing all that um so he's cut that out and it's a lot of gluten and and, and healthy foods now and uh he's he said it's already he already feels kind of the effects of that uh going forward and I, that kind of stuck out to me um as so you talking you've heard all the excitement uh from the reds within the red sox organization over the last few months about what, just what they've seen on the field and uh, when you're trying to like sort of project into the future, what what this guy is going to look like going into his mid thirties and late thirties? Um, obviously, he's locked up with the Red Sox for another three years after this. Um, what's that kind of g- going to look like? Um, we see pitchers kind of deteriorate right over the second half of their careers into their thirties, um, and he's like really he's really kind of focused on maintaining a high level. And I, it, that's kind of what something that stuck out to me. Honestly.
1: Yeah. And, and, you know, the elbow is not really a hard thing as we've seen to reconstruct. It's people who have shoulder surgeries or thoracic outlet syndrome that those are the things that really kill careers. Tommy John hasn't done that much. It's actually mm-hmm. lengthened a lot of players careers because they do re- rebuild their shoulders and then they get new ligaments in their elbow. So awesome stuff, Steve. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast. Where can people uh, follow you on Twitter? uh
0: my handle's at steve underscore hewitt pretty easy uh shoot me a follow
1: <laughs> yeah shoot, shoot steve a follow he does great work for us at the boston herald covering the red sox um and so great stuff on chris sale thanks for thanks for coming on appreciate it man thank you coming up in segment three lauren and i have our unpopular opinions some positive takeaways but first betonline.ag is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action Baseball season's in full swing. You can track all the action at betonline.com. I saw some odds today for the World Series teams. It still surprises me that the Red Sox aren't getting a whole lot of love uh, in the in the betting at BetOnline. But you can check out the odds, uh, get the latest news, the info, all your sporting needs. They have all the sports on there. You can bet MLB, NBA, now that that season's over. I think they, I'm not sure if they have odds yet for the new NBA season. Usually they come out pretty early uh, to see what the odds are to win the championship next year nhl and ufc mma golf everything before the next game head over to bet online on your laptop or mobile device check out all the great sporting news sign up bonuses contest information head to the website or use your phone and sign up you'll get a 50 percent welcome bonus on your first deposit so if you go to bet online you put the promo code locked on and you'll get a 50 percent welcome bonus bet online your online sports book experts so we have our unpopular opinions always a fun segment Lauren, I want to hear yours first. Let's go.
2: So mine is, it's not as edgy or spicy as some of my others have been, but I don't think anyone should expect another home run derby uh, come this weekend series with the Yankees. The Red Sox, what, they hit 11 home runs in those two games with the Blue Jays, but, you know, they're playing in Buffalo. They're playing at a smaller field, and it was basically like batting practice for the Red Sox, and I don't think that's to be expected Though I do think their offense will continue to stay hot and that momentum will carry over. I just think it'll come in different ways that aren't home runs. But this is one I would very much love to be proved wrong on because who doesn't love home runs after home run in in the games? But I wouldn't get too excited about watching 11 home runs in two games against the Yankees, let alone four.
1: Yeah, so the Yankees are sending the same guys, it looks like, as they sent before, Jordan Montgomery, Garrett Cole... Jamison Tyon and Domingo Germán, and they did hold them. They did hold the Red Sox down in that series. So uh, I think that's I think that's probably a good take. Um, all right, I'm gonna talk a little bit about sports betting because Fenway Park has a chance to open up a section inside of Fenway Park where there will be uh, live uh, an option to place live bets. So I'm imagining—I don't know what it's going to look like—but I'm imagining, you know, you go to the horse races, you see all the booths with the with the attendants behind it. Um, you show your ID, you make sure you're, you're, it's legal for you to bet, and all of a sudden, you know, you're placing live bets. I just can't imagine this happening in Fenway Park. It, it bothers me a little bit. Now, I am pro sports betting. I think it's part of the mainstream culture. People do it so often. I was just talking about Bet Online, our sponsor. Um, it's not legal in every state. It might as well be because people are just going to find a way to do it anyways. Legalize it, make you know, get it above board, g- get your tax dollars out of it, all for it. The problem I have is I don't like that we're going to put betting stations inside the parks. I think we're bringing people way too close to it. And it's not just people who are betting on it. They're going to bet anyways at the parks, right? They're going to have their mobile device. They could do it on their phone. That's fine. But now all of a sudden you're like, hey, son, you know I know you want some cotton candy, but let me run over to the Betting booth, real quick, so I can drop like our mortgage payment on this third inning prop bet that I want to make. I don't know. I think it's going to completely change the the feel of the ballpark. Fenway is such a majestic place, and now it's going to be more of like I'm imagining like a horse betting OTB feel. Like it just kind of cheapens it a little bit to me. So this is all going on right now. There's a bill on the floor. Uh, in the S- Massachusetts State Senate that would legalize sports betting and allow teams like the Red Sox and the Patriots to apply for licenses that w- they could actually sell bets in their parks um, so my unpopular opinion is I just don't like this You know, do it on your phone, do it somewhere else I don't want to cheapen the product at the stadiums I think stadiums are such a big part of the team and to turn it into a betting station to me just makes it a little lame and of course you always have to ask yourself, okay, well, this is the sport of Pete Rose. This is the sport of the Black Sox. If it's that easy to be betting on it, and it's just so potent around your ballpark, we're we're just asking for trouble with guys, uh, you know, betting on on themselves or, or betting against themselves, or managers betting or, or getting into trouble. Managers don't make a lot of money. Remember, Alex Cora made less than a million dollars a year, won the World Series. So, um, I think we're just asking for trouble with this one.
2: Yeah. I- This one's tricky for me because I'm not a better, and I've never, like, I've never been one to just bet on games. But also, I love going to the ballpark for, like, the history of it. You know, I love walking into new ballparks and seeing what they have, what what their, like, hot food item is, what their history is about. You know, like Camden Yards, they have a, like, a walkway where all, all home runs have hit. And just so much, there's so much to look at in every ballpark that I feel like I would take away from like the history of it you're able to walk around and just kind of take everything in especially somewhere like Fenway where it's pretty original it's old and there's so many like original things to see in it there's so many just you have all the Red Sox old symbols and their mascots throughout the park you have the, those like green poles everywhere and it's just it's fun to go and take in Everything about the park that makes it Fun and special and Maybe betting will take away from that That, But that's how I see it again like I said I am no better I don't know I don't know the first thing about it but It just seems like it's something that b- Ballparks Could do, easily do without
1: Yeah do it on your phone that's all I'm asking Exactly Alright time to end the show on a positive note You went first last time I'll, I'll, I'll give you a break I'll go first so uh, my positive Note is we had two players actually look somewhat decent on Wednesday night who haven't looked decent in a while. And by I say somewhat decent, I mean they each only had one hit. But Bobby Dahlbeck had a double, and Michael Chavis homered. And it's, these hits are so far and few between with these guys. It's been over 600 plate appearances in the big leagues for Michael Chavis now, and his OPS is right around 700. It's been almost 400 plate appearances for Bobby Dahlbeck. His OPS in the big leagues right around 700. Um, We just haven't seen enough positive things from these guys to think they're going to be part of the Red Sox future. So. This is a positive I'm considering it a positive that they played well on Wednesday night because I think the Red Sox might be able to get something for him at the trade deadline. I said it before I really think if you can get anything for these guys if you could package them in a deal in any way, I would do it. I think Dalbucks obviously got more value than Chavis because he has the power. Um, you know I guess Chavis has the power too but Dalbuck just he, he's still a little bit more raw. Uh, he, he hasn't had the experience that Chavis has had. I think there's a team out there who would say, "Hey, we'll let him play every day. We're not, you know, we're not in the hunt. We'll just let him go play and see what happens. Take some pressure off. He's been good in no-pressure situations in spring training at the end of last year. So if these guys can just play a little bit better next week. Maybe the Red Sox can get something for him."
2: Yeah, that's good. Like good points because they are valuable players. They've just been slumping, and to be able to kind of showcase this kind of talent, what they can do when they're when they're on is good news for the Red Sox.
1: All um, right. What do you got?
2: So what I have is about Chris sale. And I feel like every time we talk about Chris sale is positive, And that's incredibly good because we don't want any sort of setback because he's so, so close to a return. He went and three and two thirds innings um, on Tuesday night. And he just looked incredible. And I know that we've talked about, we don't want to focus too much on the velocity, but it is worth noting that he hit 98 miles an hour. It still scares me because i almost like the next morning he's going to be like, my arm fell off. Mm-hmm. But it's really interesting to see, too, how much he changed, you know, his diet and how he realized that having a fast metabolism doesn't mean you can just eat whatever you want and you're healthy. Like, I have a very fast metabolism and I it, I would love to eat McDonald's every single day, but I it just it, it's not good for your body. And he doesn't he hasn't had alcohol in a year. Just like the changes he's made is going to do so many wonders for him this season and that I'm beginning to think that maybe he will look like vintage Chris Sale when he comes back because of just the the lifestyle changes and the health changes he's made but there's a lot to be excited about he said he felt great uh the day after on Wednesday and he said he's just he just seems like he's ready to go and I'm sure he's anxious he has another uh start on Sunday in Portland and I mean if he's if he's good after that like say he goes to five innings. Maybe he moves to Worcester, and then they're like, I don't know, let's get him up here. But I think his, his return is sooner rather than later.
1: Yeah, maybe even he moves to the Red Sox after that. I think it's certainly possible if he goes five innings, his next stop will be in the big leagues. So absolutely, we'll be talking about Chris Sale a lot. We'll be talking about the trade deadline a lot. Uh, come back uh, tomorrow, we will be talking about the first game of the Yankees series, Tanner Houck, starting against the Yankees. Um, so we will be talking about that. Make sure you check, check it out tomorrow. Um, you can find my work uh, at the Boston Herald, or you can follow me on Twitter at jmasterdonato.
2: And you can find all my work on nesson.com and find me on Twitter at la-la-la-lauren, three laws and Lauren with four r's. And, of course, the Locked on Red Sox Twitter at lo underscore Red Sox.
1: Yep. And you could please uh, subscribe, follow us uh, on the podcast, like if you listen on Spotify or on Apple Hit the follow or subscribe button so it will automatically download every day for you. helps us out a lot, um, and it's easier, so then you don't have to download it every day. It will just be right there for you. So uh, come back soon. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great day. This episode was brought to you by Locked On Bets. Betting on the Red Sox doesn't have to be a guessing game if you listen to the Locked On Bets podcast, hosted by your boy Q and handicapping expert Lee Sterling. Get daily picks, blowout specials, wrong team favored picks and Lee Sterling's lock of the day. Follow the Locked On Bets podcast brought to you by BetOnline.ag wherever you get podcasts.